Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Game of Thorns is a popular TV show on HBO. People, it's about the game of life on the popular channel of you. Besides the Benga Kekese, Sai Kekese the Benga. It's been a while since we've talked. I hope you guys are doing well. Life is good. Wherever you may be, you woke up alive. You can hear my voice. That means you have your hearing. You can see what you're looking at. If you can't, you can touch what you're looking at. You can imagine what you're looking at. How are you guys doing out there? It has been a while. I know, I know. I think we did our last show back in... uh. May, I believe it was, and I have to thank you guys because apparently the Resurrection series, which is something I wanted to just do on Resurrection um, Day, uh, I think it was Easter, I had I did the first broadcast. I just want to do something that was going to you know give some knowledge to people to help them in their lives. I didn't realize it was going to be my pretty much pop most popular series. So when I did the second one, I said okay, let's give some more knowledge, and my God, that took off. But it just says it just says that people out there are just looking for some answers, or they're looking to be pointed in the in the direction of where the answers may be, and that's how I look at it. I don't see it as though I'm the the, the wise one from the land of Oz, um, not like well, not the wise like my little one says I am. But I just want to give knowledge because we're all seeking for answers. I'm seeking for answers, and sometimes the best way to find an answer is to answer the question for somebody else, and then through that answer you get your answer. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? So we have about an hour today. I don't want to take up too much time. We have a lot going on. We're going to have some comments from uh, Devon Franklin, who is now congratulations on his wedding to uh, Megan Good. He is also uh, was promoted to senior vice president over at Sony. Uh, he did a few interviews on 
Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday series that I believe she has on her own station. Uh, we have a few other people we're going to listen to. It's going to be about an hour. I'm going to try to get everything in. If we go over time, you know it's not really an issue with me. It's my show, so I can do what I want. People, I'm thinking that it is now April, it is now August 5th. I think your rent is due on the 1st, or it's coming up, and you don't have the money. You have bills due. You have this due. You have that due, and you're really feeling anxious about things. And the one thing about feeling anxious is that you start looking for things that make you feel more anxious instead of sitting back saying, have you asking yourself, have you done everything that you were supposed to do? Have you done everything that you set out to do in reference to your journey? So some time ago, I believe Dr. Charles Stanley had a brief message on anxiety. So let's hear what he has to say. It's about four minutes long. and I'm going to try to let you know how long some of these things are. But I try to keep them short because, you know, we only have so much time. And I know you have a lot going on. And I want to take, you, take the opportunity again to say thank you for taking the time to listen to us on this Sunday evening or Sunday morning or Monday morning, wherever you may be. Because apparently we have listeners all around the world. So let's hear this little message here on anxiety because you really have to focus on what it is that's causing the anxiety and why are you letting it rule you to make you feel as negative as you may feel now. Dr. Charles Stanley. We're in anxiety, those emotions all of us have to deal with in life because oftentimes things will slip up on our blind side and for the moment we feel very anxious. And yet the Apostle Paul said, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, all of us read those verses, and yet when it says, be anxious for nothing, that's far easier to read than it is to believe or to practice. And anxiety is a result of responding to some situation or circumstance in life with a brief moment of fear or uncertainty because at the moment I'm either feeling that I'm out of control or I do not know what the circumstances are going to come out to be. And so therefore I feel that at the moment. The key is not to allow yourself to think long on what has caused you anxiety but immediately to focus your attention upon God and cry out for his help. It's amazing how many Christians are just as guilty of worry and anxiety as people who are not Christian. And I think the reason is, in the busy schedules in which people have, their focus is on so many other things other than God, that they are very easily drawn into the same kind of emotions, the same kind of doubts, the same kind of fears that a person who's unbeliever. And so therefore the reason is our focus is not right. When my focus is on God, somehow, no matter what's going on, anxiety and worry seem to just disintegrate right in front of me, and there's this awesome sense of peace, my God is in control. The antidote to worry is indeed trusting God, putting our faith in Him. He's our loving Heavenly Father, loves us unconditionally. Therefore, an unconditionally loving Father who is absolutely all-powerful and all-wise about all things and who's promised to meet all of my needs will grant me peace in the midst of the deepest kind of anxiety and worry. One of the questions that we have to ask is, how do we take our worries and our frustrations and anxieties to God? The way you take them to the Father, the best way to take them to Him, is to open His Word. And if at all possible, find the passage of Scripture that deals with whatever is causing you anxiety and worry. Read that passage of Scripture. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Ask yourself the question, what is God saying to me? Lay that burden before Him. Lay the cause of your anxiety and frustration before Him. And tell him exactly how you feel. Ask him to show you how he wants you to respond. 
Focus your attention upon his promises. You may go from one promise to the other. And sometimes when we feel very, very anxious and we're facing something that we absolutely do not know how to deal with, all of that is good because what it does, it draws us into the Word to seek the Lord and to search for His answers. And what happens is we find ourselves growing oftentimes in the deepest times and periods of our anxiety because we are driven to God, and whatever drives me to Him has got to be for my good. When you and I understand, when we really and truly believe that God loves us unconditionally, it is very easy to say, Father, I'm troubled. My heart's hurting. This is something I can't handle. God, I need you. If I understand that he's my loving father, I can immediately, as soon as I become anxious or feel worried about something, I can immediately bring it to him. The key is twofold, understanding that he loves me, and secondly, I can trust him. Our Heavenly Father certainly understands that we are human, normal, natural, and that we're going to have those times of worry. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He knew that the people of his day were troubled about many things. And he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Whatever we need, whether it is peace and contentment, whether it is material need, whatever it might be, he is there, available, reliably there, always there, to take away those things that trouble us. And in so doing, not only are we blessed, but God is glorified when we come out of our times of worry and anxiety and somehow are able to focus upon him with thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise are great, great assets to us when we are feeling very, very worried and troubled. Worry and anxiety that drives us to God turns out for our benefit when we end up praising Him and thanking Him and our faith has taken a leap forward and we can rejoice in what He's doing. A few words there from Dr. Charles Stanley. And again, it's about who's in control of your life and why are you feeling that anxiety. And of course, it's easy to say, oh, you know, that's okay. It's going to be all right. But when they're not living in your situation, and you're wondering how you're going to make that next payment, how you're going to make that next bill. Your child has uh, money due for school tomorrow or, you know, tomorrow's your last day of work and now you don't have a, a, a place of employee for the next month and you have bills due on, on Friday. It's really easy for people to say, oh, it's going to be okay, but they're not walking in your spot. They're not sitting where you're sitting. They don't know what your life is like at that moment. So I think it leads to an extension about is how are you seeing your life? How are you organizing your life? How how are you visualizing your life? Is your life the way you thought it would be? Is your life not the way you thought it would be? You might hear a little noise in the back because we have a little fan going on because one of our uh, systems here is a little overheating here. So hopefully we don't get it shut down by it overheating and the fan stops. So if you hear that, just send me a text and I'll just turn it down a little bit. But coming back to again, how is your life organized? How do you see your life? Devon Franklin spoke with Oprah about this in reference to a book that he had put out, I believe it was produced by Faith. And in this segment here, he talks about how to develop the movie of your life. Let's give a listen here. It's about three minutes. Let's hear what he has to say because the anxiety stems from how are you seeing your life? And is your life the way you want it to be? And if if it is not, what are you doing about it? What is your role in it being the way it is now? Devon Franklin, please, on uh, Super Soul Sunday on the OWN station with uh, Oprah Winfrey talking about how to develop the movie of your life. If we can get this thing here to play, <laughs> hopefully. And it won't play. Oh, my God. We're like stuck here. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Well, we can't get it to run, so I guess we're going to take a little break here and see if we can upload this here and get some more advice your way. But I want to come back to this again because I think this is very critical for a lot of people here. We're making these decisions based on the emotions we're feeling at that time. 
And I think what happened is that we're looking back and we're saying, okay, I had these dreams when I was much younger. There are these things I wanted to do when I was much younger, and they're not happening the way I thought they would be. So now here we sit wondering what's going on. Here we sit wondering what to do. And for me, my example or my situation has always been, you know, if my life isn't the way I want it to be, why is that? If my life isn't the way I think it should be, then why is that? And what am I holding on to? I'm saying a lot of prayer. I'm talking to the Lord and all these things. But what am I, what am I holding on to that's preventing me from getting these blessings? And I think that's one thing we have to look at because when you sit back, there is something in your life that you definitely need to let go of. But because so many of us don't do that, we have these issues of what are we going to do? How are we going to make it happen? How are, we going to make, how are we going to make that change? And if we don't make that change, starting with us, we really can't change anybody else. And that's just my belief on the whole situation. And if anyone has a, a, a counter comment to that, send me a text. You know, you can call in. Let me give you a number here if we can get this screen to work right, because I think we have a freeze here in our system, and our music can't play. But you know me, nothing really stops me, because I always figure out a way, right? So let's see if we can get this thing to go here. Let's see here. Maybe there's someone a little different here. Oh, we do have a problem here because for some reason our stuff that we had queued is not flowing. So what I'm going to do here, if I can get this to work for me, I'm going to see if we can switch from one server to another because for some reason my music is not flowing the way I want it to flow. So let me see if I can get this done on another network here so you hold on tight. Oh, we have a question here. Saeed, thank you for your time for doing these shows, and I really appreciate it. My question to you is, has there ever been a moment in your life where, you know, you've had these feelings of despair, you've had these feelings where things aren't going the way you thought it would be, and you're just looking for an answer? All right. Well, this is from uh, actually Miguel in Alabama. Miguel in Alabama. Well, there's a lot of Latinos down there, right? So, yeah, you know what, Miguel? I can say this to you. Yes, there was, and I'm going to share a personal story with you because I think it's only fair that, you know, if we're going to talk about making a change, we have to talk about how we've made that change in our own lives. And I'm going to give you a little, story, a little um, thing here about President uh, Obama. And I may have said this story to you before. I may have not because I'm not, you know, I, I've done so many shows. Sometimes I lose track of exactly what I've talked about. But a couple, when, Obama, when President Obama was then Senator Obama and he was running for office back in the day, you know, I just, you know, there was something about him I just didn't like. It wasn't his politics. It wasn't the fact that he was running. It was his vision. It was his dream. It was his calling to run. He ran. But there was something about his, him that I just could not, I just didn't know what it was. And he was just talking. I'm like, okay, he's an interesting speaker. He has a teleprompter. But, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what he does. With what, what he's, we're going to see what he's going to do with his opportunity he wants to do in his life. And I would watch him debate. And I would watch him talk. And I was really happy that he was following his passion and stuff like that. But then one day, um, we're going to lead to this moment. One day, at that time, I was living with my then-girlfriend. And uh, a gentleman, a good friend, or then he was a good friend of mine, um, had promised me um, that when he started this new company, I would go work for this new company. That's okay, no problem. So I had left my previous job to go start this new company. But then he flaked out, and I lost, you know, I lost the position. I didn't lose the position. He just flaked out. He never called me back or anything like that. Because of that, we lost our apartment that we were living in in North Hollywood. Now, we had to move somewhere else. And the only place we can go is my then-girlfriend's aunt, um, who lives somewhere down in California, uh, uh, in Los Angeles. 
So, you know, I was able to get a truck. We, we tied the mat to the top of the truck and all that kind of stuff, an SUV, and we just started driving down there. And I was just getting this weird vibe from her that things just wasn't setting right with her. So I literally pulled over in the middle of the road, and we just got out, and we just started talking. And I said, look, you know, for me, I'm like, you see these movies where these couples, they've been married 20 years, and there's always that defining moment where things were despair, and things were not good, and things didn't flow, and they're like, okay, what's going on here? You know, what's happening? And, you know, then I saw the breakthrough comes, and years later, like, they look back on that moment. So I thought this was a, de- a defining moment for what I was for what was happening in my life and have it happening in our life. Because I was in love. So my exact words to her were, "Look, this moment can break us up, or it can bring us closer together." We're in the middle of the hot. We're literally on the side of the road of the highway, and you can hear cars going by back and forth. And you know, her eyes are emotional. She, you know, looks like she has tears in her eyes. I said, "Look, you know, this can either bring us together or or, or bring or, or bring us apart." All right. And we continued the journey. Went down to the place. And this, you know, the campaign was still going on. While we were at the new location, uh, down at the aunt's house, one day I had just gotten up and just, you know, something said just wake up. And I just walked over to the mirror and I just stood there. And I just looked at the reflection and I talked to myself. And I said, okay, what's going on here? Because President Obama had just spoken. And that's when it hit me. It wasn't anything about any haterism as some people think. No, I was like, he's doing his thing. You know, he's, he's, he's following his calling. He's following his path. It wasn't about any jealousy because I, I don't feel jealous about anybody. Why would I? I mean, I have my own stuff that I'm working on. I have my own things I'm doing. I have my own purpose, my own life, my own, the own film for my life is me. So, but then I realized President Obama is about two, he just turned 51. He's, he's, he's uh, three years older than me. I'll be uh, 49 in a few weeks. But he's two, he's really, we'll say right now, he's two years older than me. And what really bothered me is that President Obama's life, the way it is, is how I thought my life would be at that point when I was 20. And I mean, when I was looking at 20, I thought my life would be as President Obama's was, the family, the kids, and going on your career path and things like that. I thought I'd be in that stride when I was 30, and 30 you know, when I was 25, 30, 35. But then, you know, I said, okay, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But, you, you know, I would always subjugate that frustration that I was feeling. And then I realized that President Obama was a reminder to me of how I thought my life would be, in, you know, at that point in my 40s. And that's when it clicked. I said, okay, I see what's going on now. And it was a good reminder for me because I hadn't, you know, again, this is my first time really telling anybody outside of two people this story. But I want to share this with you. I realized that was bothering me. And I think for a lot of us, we tend to, we tend to harbor this resentment towards people or this dislike towards people, not because they're bad people. It's because their success reminds us of what we haven't accomplished yet in our own life. And that's why I think that the challenge comes of, what can we do to make a difference? But we have, to, we have to allow ourselves to be honest with our feelings. Does that make sense to you? So, Miguel, I hope that answers your question. So that was my moment of, you know, okay, this is what's really bothering me. And I stepped back and said, wait a minute, he's doing his path. I'm doing my path. There are things he's able to do in his position. There are things I'm doing that he can't do. I know for a fact he had an idea for a, a story to get public, you know, that make a nice script, and he sent it to the top agents, I think the one, the Weinstein brothers. And he emailed, hey, I think this would be a great film. President Obama can't write movies. He doesn't know anything about doing movies. But Weinstein said, and the Weinstein, uh, I think it was Harvey Weinstein said, uh, we don't think this would be a good story. But I say that again. So that was my moment. That was a little critical there. So, you know, what, what can I say? You know, that's just what happened at that time. So let's see if we can get another question here. Hopefully we can get uh, Devon Franklin to speak about how to develop the movie of your life. Here we go. And thanks for your patience. Back to the producer. Yes. Okay. In this process, you are God's writing partner. I love this. 
God is the director, and each step is crucial. No idea becomes a movie, this is key, without passing through these stages. And even though some of these stages can be difficult, tedious, even painful, each leads to the next and hopefully to success. Yes. So we're all, aren't we always in our development stage? In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, I would argue that not some of us are actually, you know, in production. I would say, okay, someone like you is probably working on the sequel. Yeah. You know, so you have gone through the phases of development, production. You've that had could have been, instead of next chapter, I could have called it working on the sequel. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, but Oprah, yeah. the sequel. That's, That's good. That's okay. what's happening right now. Okay. You know? um, and so some of us are most of the time in development. And development, as you said, is super hard mm -hmm. because we don't ever think we're going to go to that next level of our life. So actually what you say in the book is that development begins when you have the first vision of what you can be. Correct? Exactly. You can't write a movie unless you know what the movie's supposed to be about. That's what development is. Sometimes we get so frustrated in our lives, but we have to go back and say, wait a minute, do I understand what the big idea of my life is supposed to be? Uh -huh. If my life is a story, then I have to know the point of my story. And sometimes what happens when we start developing a movie, the producers may have one vision of what the movie's supposed to be, and the studio has another right. version, and then the movie becomes nothing because there's not clarity of idea. So with our life, we have to have clarity of what we're supposed to do. What do we believe we're called to do in this life? And in that way, it gives our whole development process more shape. I am getting goosebumps right now. You know mm. why? why? Because I know that the way that landed with me and the way I heard it, that anybody who's hearing you also can hear that, mm -hmm. can feel the kernel of, if you are not in control of the development of your life yeah. or aware yeah. that your life needs developing and are just waking up every morning, going to a job, going through the motions, getting your paycheck, then you are really, it's, I always say it's sort of like being the walking dead, yeah. that you're not in control, you're not helping to co-create right. your life with the right. ultimate creator. It's so true because sometimes, you know, you're going from scene to scene to scene with no idea of what your intention is. In development, not only do you co-write the script with God, but you are the star of your story. And there's nothing worse than when you do, are on set and you see an actor in a scene who doesn't know the intention. Yes! Because then the scene goes all over the place. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. In our life... If you don't, uh, that's why actors will often say, tell me what's my motivation. Exactly. exactly. What's my motivation? Exactly. So it's important in life to know what our motivation is. So it gives each scene that we're in more purpose than it otherwise would Don't have. Don't you find it sad that, I mean, I see this obviously in the work that I do and you see it in the work that you do, that most people are not in recognition of that fact. It is, it's why I do what I do. It's why I wanted to write the book. It's why I preach. It's why I make movies to help people get more purpose and more awareness. Sometimes people have no perspective. So you're in a situation, you're going day to day, month to month, a year to year without saying, wait a minute, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. So if you could just get people to awaken, if in a moment, yeah. to have a little bit of perspective, yeah. in those moments of inspiration is when change can happen. Yeah. I like good words of wisdom. One thing about Oprah, I love her dearly, but one thing about her is that she tends when she interviews people, right? She'll ask them a question. They'll start asking the question, and then she'll interrupt them and give her own interpretation of of, of the answer. <laughs> it always gets me when she does that. It's like, wait, let the guy finish. Let the person finish, and then you can interject your flow. But she constantly does. I've always told her to do that. Oh, it cracks me up. 
But it comes back again to what he's talking about in reference to your life. You know, how he's seeing your life. There is a plan for your life. And now people are like, oh, here we go again. There's, there's a plan. Yes, there is a plan for your life. It's not like you just showed up out of nowhere. I mean, come on. There's a reason why you're here. And I think one thing people have, have a tendency to do, they tend to base their life on success. So the question then to you, okay, what is success to you? Are you looking at other people or what is success to you? What does it mean? Have you sat back and asked yourself, what does that mean? Because I think that's where it really starts for a lot of people. They're based on what success is, based on what they see other people do, right? Based on what they see other people go through. The late Steve Jobs, I have like two two little segments on him. He had, he had two comments about that in reference to success. So let's hear what he has to say. This was about a minute 30, but let's hear what he had to say. Was, uh, he's explained the rules of success. This is the late, great Steve Jobs. People say you, you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing, and it's totally true. And the reason is uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, if you're not having fun doing it, you don't really love it, uh, you're going to give up. And that's what happens to most people, actually. If you really look at, 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 at the ones that uh, ended up you know, being successful, unquote, in the eyes of society and the ones that didn't, oftentimes it, it's the ones that are successful loved what they did so they could persevere when, you know, when it got really tough. And, and the ones that, that didn't love it quit because they're sane. Right? Who would want to put up with this stuff if you don't love it? So it's a lot of hard work, and, and it's a lot of worrying constantly. And uh, um, if you don't love it, you're going to fail. So you've got to love it. You've got to have passion. And I think that's the high-order bit. The second thing is um, you've got to be a really good talent scout. Because no matter how smart you are, uh, you need a team of great people. And you've got to figure out... How to, how to size people up fairly quickly, make decisions without knowing people too well, and hire them and you know, see how you do and refine your intuition and be able to, to help you know, build an organization that can eventually just you know, build itself because um, you need great people around you. Mm, well spoken. What's your thought on that, folks? Does it touch to where you may be in your life right now? Your life may be where you think it should be and you want to go to the next level? Again, but what kept you going? What what didn't allow you to give up? And I think that's the I've seen that so often, being out here in LA, even as a teacher, as an educator, I see in the classroom where if the person would just take that one more step and not throw in the towel, not give up, not quit, and walk away. I mean, there's certain things you realize in your life that's not working, so you want to take a different avenue or you want to take a different path, what have you. But it is so true, and I think it really starts with, you know, if you're giving up. How are you going to get anywhere? And I think right now, a few of us at this moment are feeling that moment of anxiety. Like, I, I, well, I'm trying to do something, but nothing's being successful anywhere I look. And again, it's, it's what is your life? What is it you want to do? I believe Steve Jobs talked some. He was interviewed by somebody, or they did a documentary on Brother Steve Jobs, and it's really hard to, you know, like, uh, articulate how much you know he's affected people. But there was actually an interview someone did a while ago, and it, had, it talked about uh, the seven secrets to success of Steve Jobs. So let's give us a listen here and see what they're talking about. And I hope you're taking some notes here and for yourself, and you hope I'm giving you some knowledge or some words or something that's going to help you get to where you want to go. Because it's really about you. That's all it really starts. It starts about you. You're here for a reason. You have a purpose. You're, there's a reason why you're here. And just because you may be in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, it doesn't mean your purpose is over and it, it expired like you know old milk and they're going to toss you out. 
So let's let's come back to let's actually yes, I want to hear the seven figures of success for you. All right, let's hear. It. It's reference to Steve Jobs. In just the two days since Steve Jobs died, millions of people have taken inspiration in the words he left behind. But maybe none seems as appropriate right now as this. Being the richest man in the cemetery doesn't matter to me. Going to bed at night saying we've done something wonderful, that's what matters to me. And among those wonderful things that are now part of his legacy is a list of hidden secrets we can all learn from. The seven secrets to his success. Here's Deborah Roberts. How is it that a college dropout who landed in his parents' garage, who was once kicked out of his own company, could cast such a dazzling spell, turning the inconceivable into things we can't live without? Maybe down to 61 degrees in San Francisco. What does Steve Jobs know that we don't? Folks sipping cocktails at the Edmonds Automotive website in California would sure love to know. You don't have to try to emulate Steve Jobs, but the techniques that he has honed over time right. are the ones that will work for anybody. Right. Author and consultant Carmine Gallo has built a career sharing the special secrets of Steve Jobs, most gleaned from the man himself. Sometimes life's going to hit you in the head with a brick. Don't lose faith. And those who worked with him. Seven principles of success that anybody can use to be more successful, to be more innovative, to live a more inspiring life. Number one, do what you love, no matter what it happens to be. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it. Now, a lot of people will look at that and say, oh, yeah, the, do what you love. Sure, sure, sure. We all hear that. But is that really the secret of success? Passion is everything. I think a lot of people embody the Steve Jobs model, but don't know that they're doing so. So Rachel Ray did what she loved. She was giving cooking classes at Macy's for nothing. She was giving free cooking classes because she loved what she did. And what did she create? 30-minute meals. Number two, put a dent in the universe. Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Put a dent in the universe simply means that you have to have a big, bold, clear, concise vision. I like to say that your vision should fit in a Twitter post. Think about this. John Kennedy in 1961 had a clear, concise vision that was under 140 characters. If Twitter had existed that day, he could have tweeted it. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon. The third secret might surprise you. The man who sold 315 million iPods believed you should say no to a thousand things. How do you become a success by saying no? You have to focus. And this is something that applies to our businesses and our lives. Reduce the clutter. Make it simple. In 1997, when he returned to Apple, Apple was close to bankruptcy. He took 300 products and condensed them to 10. We've got to get the spark back with the developers. Just all about streamlining. And Jobs honed not just products, but people. Robert Cringley worked with him starting in 1977. Steve felt very strongly that he could only interface with about a half a dozen people. And so therefore, he had to concentrate at any given moment on who were the half a dozen most important people in his life. And if you are in the top six, you get all my time. If, you're, if you fall off, if you're number seven or, or 57, I don't know you. Simplicity in everything, even down to the trademark black turtleneck and jeans. 
In the latter years, he decided that he would wear the same outfit every day so that he you know, didn't have to think about it. No one had to think about it. There were no decisions. Secret number four, kickstart your brain by doing something new, like the time Jobs took a trip to India with his college buddy, Daniel Kotke. He's the one who proposed the trip. He had shaved his head. His inquiring mind is something that certainly contributed to his success in life. Thinking differently led Jobs to make unexpected connections. The inspiration for the Apple Store came from the four seasons. That's why when you walk into an Apple Store, you will not find a cashier. You'll find a concierge, walk to the back of the store, and there's a bar. It doesn't dispense alcohol, but it dispenses advice. And if you're running a business, number five may be what you need to hear. Sell dreams, not products. And six, create insanely great experiences. For Jobs, it wasn't just about selling 29 million iPads this summer, but entertaining the customer at the same time. How can I innovate at my small pizza parlor or my small store, my retail shop? Innovation means creating an experience for your customer. And one of Jobs' most important secrets, seven, master the message. He wasn't born a naturally gifted presenter in the mid-70s. It was Steve Jobs' first live television interview. Now, this is not the real thing, though, right? You just want a picture of me now? He was visibly nervous. Because I'm deathly ill, actually, and ready to throw up at any moment. So. In 2007, he actually gave what I consider the greatest presentation I've ever seen, the introduction of the iPhone. Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. So how does all this relate to the rest of us, even if you're not the head of a company? You are being judged by how well you give a presentation, how well you communicate, just to get that first job out of college, and then next job and climb the career ladder. Yet some of the genius of the Apple co-founder could be a bit sour, like Jobs' famous perfectionism and temper. He's a very demanding manager. Whatever his flaws, Steve Jobs will be known as the ultimate visionary. So don't feel bad. Steal his secrets. Most likely, he would expect that. Good artists copy. Great artists steal. You may not want to change the world necessarily, but you can change your own little part of it. I think it's a good exercise. What would Steve Jobs do? It's tough. When you start asking yourself, what would Steve do? It's a high bar to reach, but it's worth reaching. words are very apropos and what we're talking about. Again, that's some of the secrets uh, of success for Steve. I'm sure some could be applied to you. One thing is get rid of the clutter. And that's one problem. I, I came across a verse somewhere about reference to, you know, um, get, stop, get rid of the clutter that's around you and just focus what's in your heart, what's in your mind, because you're focusing on too many things. For example, uh, we'll talk about Gabby Douglas or the young lady, Maya Lawrence, from the fencing team who won a bronze at the Olympics 2012 in London. And if you ever see their work, it's really about focusing what's in front of them, the, the balance beam or the opponent across from you with the sword. I don't know if it's a you know, saber or whatever, the foil. But so many of us, you know, they're not focusing on the audience because if they focus on the audience, they're going to get, they're going to get attacked, they're going to get hurt, and they're going to be defeated. But any particular athletes, look at swimmers. They're looking straight and looking back. They may be glancing to the left when they're doing their, you know, their heads are moving as they do their stroke, but they're looking straight and looking back. They go up and come down. 
And I think a lot of us aren't, aren't doing that. And by that, we miss the purpose of our life. And you've heard me talk about this a couple of times. What is the purpose in your life? Uh, Carolyn Neas sat down with Oprah on her on the same show and talked about how to find your purpose. So let's hear what she says. Come on, tie us together. The anxiety you're feeling in your life, the 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 the, the purpose of your life that there is a purpose to your life that has been structured and you're still in development of your life, the success that you want in your life. But at the same time, you want to know what is the purpose of your life? Like, what do you hear? So let's see what she has to say. What is the difference between I'm going to accept and not mm-hmm. resist? Because I have learned that what you, what you resist only shows up more. That's right. Yeah. You're just building the muscle for that thing that you, you don't want. What is the difference between knowing how to surrender the thing and knowing when to surrender? Mm-hmm. And, and doing nothing. And doing nothing. A person has to try. A person has to put their energy into their own life and their own effort. You, you have to do that. Yeah. We have an intuitive voice in us we have a we are born intuitive we are we are so intuitive that it's actually for most people the source of their greatest suffering all right that inner guidance tells us um, i'm just gonna let you i don't even know what you mean by that how is your intuition your intuitiveness the 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 cause of your greatest suffering i think would be the opposite oh no 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 it isn't oprah it's actually the source of people's greatest suffering why because um, people hear when they've betrayed themselves. People are very much aware when they are not honest with themselves. Okay. People, it's that voice that says, you shouldn't have said that. You know that's not right. Or you're still with this person and you're, you know you right. should have left 20 totally. years ago. Yeah. This is the voice of your conscience. It's the voice of your consciousness. It's the voice of your gut instinct. Okay, okay, it's, okay. The voice, it's the voice you don't want to hear that never turns off. Okay. And when you follow this voice, and you push. This is the part that says you should push and you should do this. Um, so it's the part that keeps us moving and turning the wheel of our life. It's also the part that says you've done as much as you could now. This is it. You've done everything you can. So it's the part that will say that's as far as you can go. Yeah. It will guide you. It will say this is it. So what you're saying is is exactly what I've always believed and how I've operated the being able to accept lives with within the range of doing all that you can do. And That's when right. you have done everything right. that you can do, That's you right. surrender it. That's it. Let it go. That's right. To the power and energy that's greater than yourself. That's it. That's what you do. That's right. You got to give it your all. Give it your all. Give it your all. Give it your best. And this inner voice. And then not be attached to the outcome. Totally. You got it. That's it. Good words, good words, good words. Awesome words, awesome advice, and I just love an Oprah interjects, but awesome words, awesome words. Devon Franklin talked about something, and I want to come to that after a little musical break here, because there's a similarity between you and Prince. Let's do a little uh, live concert you did back in uh, 83, Little Red Corvette, and I'm going to tell you before the show's over, there's a similarity between you and Prince in this performance. Let's ride. Prince 
course that. I'm sure some of my deep believers are like, oh, my God, he's playing secular music. Okay, that's nice. But listen, here's the similarity between you and Prince. That was a live conference that took place, concert that took place in 1983 before Purple Rain came out. And what Prince would do in Minneapolis when he was up there, Minneapolis, Minnesota, I think it was Minneapolis, he would always test out new music for the audience. And he was testing it. This is the first time he ever played that song. And a lot of times the audience was like, okay, what's he playing? Like, okay, whatever. Um, the, when he did, he did Purple Rain at this very concert. And it was like a small club, like the one you saw in the movie. When he does Purple Rain in the movie, it's actually, he's actually lip-syncing to the actual performance in this concert. Now, I say that to you is that people are watching this. And they're like wondering what's going on. And they're not realizing that they're seeing something that's going to be great down the road. They're all around Prince. They're like, who's this short guy? And they're not realizing that they're hearing a song before anybody else is going to hear it, where it's going to blow up, and then they're going to say, I was there first. And you're just like Prince. You're surrounded by people who are kind of questioning what you're doing. They don't understand your vision. They're like doubting that you're going to be, you know, that you're actually going to do whatever you said you're going to do. And they have no idea that years from now, Maybe tomorrow, maybe next Sunday, maybe next week, that whatever you're doing now or have been working on is going to blow up. And then they're all going to say, and we've heard before, I was there in the beginning, and I believed in this person as they follow their dreams. And we're like, yeah, right, whatever. But that's what happens. Prince would always test out new music. He tested out pretty much the entire Purple Rain album at this concert. And people are like, oh, okay, this is nice. They're clapping. And you know, Prince is like, okay, they're not getting it, but, you know, hey, they, you know, at least they're clapping a little bit, and I think this song's going to flow. Same with you. You're like, people aren't getting it. Uh, you want to, you know, they don't understand what I'm doing. No, you understand what you're doing, and they will. The frustration I should deal with all the time is, you know, people not getting what my vision was. And, and you know, I would get frustrated when they didn't get it. And it would show up on a set when people didn't come with their lines correct or they were being argumentative or being disrespectful, not realizing, like, yo, this opportunity is for you. Let's ride with me. It'll make sense to you down the road. And that is you right now. You have people around you right now who are not understanding what you're doing. They don't understand um, what you see. And you have, to stay, you have to stay true to what your convictions are in your heart. Now, if you understand what your purpose is, and now you understand your similarity between you and Prince, you, know, you have to understand there's only so many things you can control in your life. And the thing is, you don't have to control everything. And let's get back to Devon Franklin, because he talks about two ways to meet and overcome conflict in your life. Here's what I love. Page 12. The truth is, you and I are in control of only two things. How we prepare. Get this, everybody. This is where you're going to want to write this down. Tweet, tweet, tweet this. We're in control of only two things. How we prepare... Yeah. for what might happen and how we respond to what just happened. The moment when things actually do happen belongs to God. Amen. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Amen. It's true. It's true because what happens is the moments when things happen in our life, we don't control. In a moment, life can change for the better or what in the moment may seem for the worse. Yeah. So our job is to prepare, to read. For only two things. That's right. Prepare for what might happen. That's right. And then how we respond That's to right. what has happened. Because so many times what keeps us in that valley of depression, that keeps us in that valley of frustration, is our response to a moment. And not recognizing that it is exactly that. It's a moment. You know, in the context of the book, it's one scene of your movie. Yeah. You know, what makes a great movie are scenes that are put together of great conflict. Mm. 
The things you can control in your life, people. The things you can control in your life. So where are you standing right now in your life? Are you understanding what you want to do? Have you figured it out? You know, look, there's a, a parable that I think Devon spoke about some time ago. Um, I can't remember the exact verbiage of it, but let's give it like this. You know what? You're probably like, oh, I'm going to take it here in this guy, but just listen to what he has to say and just follow because it's not really about, you know, converting or anything like that, whatever. It's about just listen to the words he has to say, you know, what someone has to say in reference to you. So here's something for you want to check out. He spoke actually, I gave a testament at Potter's house, and it has to do with, with, with turning the page. And when he's done with this, I'm going to explain to you a little when Deb Hart relates to you, all right? So let's give it a listen here. God bless you. Um, I'll take one other minute. It's, a, it's what Bishop alluded to earlier. Um, it is more than a blessing to be able to stand before you today. Um, God placed me at Sony Pictures. Early in my career, I started in the movie business about 10 years ago, and I was an assistant, and I was trying to make the leap from assistant to executive. And I didn't know Bishop Jakes, but I have always followed his word. And so in Los Angeles, where I live, I went to hear him preach in Inglewood. It, I got there so late, I was sitting in the rafters. And there he was preaching this word called turn the page. At the end of Deuteronomy, Moses has died. But when you turn the page, God told the Israelites, get up. Your morning time is over. Go and get into the promised land. I took that word. And on Monday, I put in my two weeks notice on my job because he motivated me to turn the page from my old job to the new job. And someone looked at me like I was crazy and said, man, do you have a new job? I said, no. I said, but how can I tell you about faith if I'm not living it? Amen. After the two week notice, I ended up fasting that second week of the two week. I fasted all week. I prayed that God would give me a job before the end of the two weeks. But I ended up leaving that Friday unemployed. Come Monday, I get a call from Tracy Edmonds. Devon, we want to hire you to be an executive at the company. Tracy Edmonds is also a producer on Jumping the Broom. Get this. Like, just give me two more seconds, Bishop. Give me two more seconds. <laughs> Watch this. So I go work for Tracy Edmonds. I end up getting a call out of the blue that MGM is looking for an executive. I leave Tracy Edmonds to go work for MGM. Six months into being at MGM, they start selling the company. And I said, God, what are you up to? Why would you have me leave one job? And then I go to another job that's getting ready to give me the pink slip. Ultimately, MGM gets sold to Sony. <laughs> the chairman sends me a message through another senior executive. Devon, when the deal goes through, you will have a job at Sony. You won't have to worry. Watch this. Watch this. When I get to Sony, the same year I walk through the doors at Sony, Michael Linton, the chairman of Sony, is making a deal with Bishop Jakes to make films. There is nobody in the world, and I say this without fear of successful uh, um, uh, uh, dispute, there's nobody else in the world better suited to make films with Bishop Jakes than me. So God sent me to Sony so that we could do this ministry together and we can change the world and change Hollywood in the images that you see on the screen. Jumping the Broom is our second movie together. And we got two others cooking. 
One of the reasons I'm also excited about being here today is because I wouldn't be here, as you can tell, without my faith. And I am tired of seeing people put down their faith when they go into the job. Our faith is the way to our dreams, not an obstacle to them, from them, but it's our path to find the purpose God has created in us. I had to write this book called Produced by Faith as a manual to help all of us walk through our career by letting God guide us. I want you to think of your life as a movie, all right? It's one of the greatest stories ever being told. One of you right now is in a scene where you're ready to give up. You're in one scene where you're getting ready to write God's name off of your script. But just like when you saw Pursuit of Happiness, Chris Gardner was in the bathroom with his son. What if he gave up right then? In the next scene, he was getting in the job. In the next scene, you're getting ready to come out. Don't write your God's name off your script. Wait until the next scene because you're getting ready to get the victory. I need you to get this message. I will be out there this afternoon signing books because we've got to get the message of produced by faith to the world. Thank you, Bishop. God bless you. No, 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 no. I, I, want to, I want to say something. I want to say something about this young man. Honestly, this is an incredible individual, an incredible individual who has had an amazing life who has held on to his integrity in Hollywood. Everybody knows he is a Christian. Everybody knows he loves Jesus. Everybody knows he's been washed in the blood. And he, he, he produced uh, Pursuit of Happiness. He's in charge of all of Will Smith's movies. He's gone all over the world with Will Smith. He was in Japan. He's calling me from Japan, waking me up in the middle of the night and all this kind of stuff. And, and he is so highly respected and such a high-ranking executive, such a high-ranking executive in the Sony regime. Mm. It is amazing. Mm. And I, so I, I broke down and, and asked him, because, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, in Hollywood they got all of those uh, doctors with the facelifts and stuff, and I, I thought... You know, maybe they did, maybe they had some work done. Because normally, to be in a position like that, it takes you years and years and years. I broke down and asked him how old he was, and he said he is 33. He just turned 33. 33 years. He just turned 33 years old. And he is the boss running all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you something. You are never too young to go after your dream. He went after it. At 23, at 33, he's sitting on top of the world. You're never too young. You're never too old. Go for your dream and get it produced by faith. And uh, he's single, too. God bless you. Uh, take care. May the Lord bless you. Amen. Let the church say amen. Give it up for Devon Franklin. It's offering time in the sanctuary. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, he was single at that time. He's now married to Megan Good. I think they got uh, married about two and a half weeks back, three weeks back. I'm not too sure. But it'll be later. Congratulations to those guys. But again, turn the page on your life. You're mourning over something that's dead. I mean, in a minute, it could change. I don't know if it was Nicole Kidman. I don't know who it was. It was someone that came from Australia. They, had, um, they were struggling. They was really, this actress was really struggling. I'm not exactly who it was. It's case my name. My other uh, name is Case me. And was facing eviction, bills was due, everything was just coming, basically crashing down. She had came from Australia to act in L.A. And what happened, a film that she did about a year earlier got released. 
that week. And her life changed forever in a very positive way. She hung in there, but it just takes, as Nicole Kimmy once said, I believe it was her, you know, it just takes the finger of God to change everything. You know, so my thing for you is you have to turn the page in your life. Right now you're looking at things, you know, they're not the way they're supposed to be. Or even if they are the way they're supposed to be, you're wondering if that's all there is. But the thing is, turn the page. Stop mourning on what's gone. Stop mourning on that girl that left you. Stop mourning on that guy that left you. I mean, if they, took, if they were taken by death, you know, or you know, sudden death, as those three boyfriends were at the Aurora shooting, and there was another shooting today in Wisconsin. So I think it was Wisconsin. So let's send our prayers, and you know, to the people, that the victims and their families, what have you. But uh, you turn the page. And you, uh, turn the page. That relationship is dead. That job is gone. That job is over. Why are you mourning that? You are here. Turn the page and walk into your destiny. Walk into your life. Now, I want to give a shout out, though, before I forget, you know, uh, to uh, uh, Ramadan to my brothers and sisters out there, you know, of the Islamic faith. You know, I try to cover everybody because it was the Sikhs who were uh, part of that, who were victims of that shooting today out in, uh, I think it was Wisconsin. But, you know, I believe it's the month of Ramadan. So I want to say, assalamu alaikum to all my uh, Islamic brothers out there. I might be mispronouncing. It might be a month late, actually. So, so please forgive me if, I, if I'm doing that. But I want to give a much love. I'm going to break off uh, something for you uh, before we take this show off the air. But for you guys, this is what the moment of truth of what you want to do at this moment. Because all you have is not yesterday, is not tomorrow. All there is is right now. And the thing is, what do you want to do? What do you not forget this? No, forget that. Not what you want to do. What are you going to do right now? God was asking me to do some things. There was once I talked to God, okay, show me my life, something that I have to get rid of. And God showed me in my life exactly what he didn't want in my life. And he said, I need you to get rid of this. And I was finding, I was hemming and hawing and finding all these excuses, why I can't do this, why I can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, I'll do it partially. And the voice was, just, was starting to hurt my, I was getting a headache because the voice was getting louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. Okay? And it was three days ago when I said, oh, forget it. I'm just going to do it this way God wants. And I, I talked to the person on the phone. It was some old thing that, that was dragging on for a long time. And I said, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And the person was like, if you feel you're being done wrong, why you want to do this route? And I said, you know what? I don't care. Whoever did me wrong, I'll let God deal with them. And because God keeps telling me, do what's right, right, when the wrong thing is happening to you. And when I finally did that and just let it go, I just felt this weight lifted off my head. I felt this weight lifted off my chest. And you need to do that. Sit back, look in your life, and see what's holding on. See what you're holding on to. That God's saying this has to go. It might be a relationship. It might be a job or something. But as Charles, Dr. Charles Stanley says, follow the will of God and leave all the consequences to him. You're holding on to something, and you know what it is. And if you don't, ask God. He will tell you. You're holding on to something. There is a purpose for your life, as Nina had posted on my Facebook today. It was written before it was written before you were born. You're in God's image, whatever your faith may be. But right now, we talked about anxiety. We've talked about success. We talked about a purpose in your life. We talked about how do you find your calling. We talked about different levels of success and what success is. But what do you what are you going to do right now at this minute, wherever you are? What are you going to do? Because you have to turn the page on your life. Moses is dead. You are now Joshua. It's time for you to walk into the promised land. Before we go, let me give a shout out to my Islamic brothers and sisters out there. Uh, there's a verse in the Quran. It's a successful, uh, successful indeed are the believers. It's about a minute 30. I want to play this. It's in Arabic. 
So I want to give a shout-out to them. And then after this, we're going to take it off the air with a little song, go over a little minutes here, and just call it a day, all right? So, again, this is from the Quran. I'm not sure which surah it is. But, again, it's a, it's, it's, uh, it's a words of faith on this stuff, and I really, I really dig it. So let's give a little shout-out to this right here. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قد أفلح المؤمنون الذين هم في صلاتهم خاشعون والذين هم عن اللغو معرضون والذين هم للزكاة فاعلون والذين هم لفروجهم حافظون والذين هم لفروجهم حافظون إلا على أزواجهم أو ما ملكت أيمانهم فإنهم غير ملومين فمن ابتغى وراء ذلك فأولئك هم العادون والذين هم لأماناتهم وعهدهم راعون والذين هم على صلواتهم يحافظون أولئك هم الوارثون الوارثون الذين يرثون الفردوسهم فيها خالدون My God, that is beautiful. There were some phrases I had written down earlier, which I think had fell behind the studio here, and I'm not able to find them for you. But there were some verses from the Quran that I want to recite to you guys that I think is very timely on what we're doing here. But one that stood in my mind is that I don't know which uh, part of the Quran is in, but it's, I believe it goes along the lines of, if the pressures of society have put you on your knees, you're in a position to pray. So let's remember that, whatever your faith may be. If the, the, the pressure of society have brought you to your knees, you're in a position to pray. Also, another thing I came across was this phrase today, uh, reference to ego. I don't know who, uh, who, who said this, so I don't have the name to give the proper accreditation or citation. But it's reference to what ego is. And his definition of ego is edging God out. I like that. And for us, we have to believe that, you know, we are here for a reason. We need to do what we need to do. And people... Don't give up. If your life is where it is, it could always be better. There's a purpose for your life. Turn the page, call the day, move forward, and do what you need to do. It all starts with you, not your friends, not your colleagues, not your job. You're not on this, this planet to go just get a check and go through misery and suffer and struggle. That's not why you're here, all right? That's not why you're here. You're here for a reason. Go out and find it. Call the day and make it happen. Otherwise, Seriously, what's the point? It all starts with you. People, Saika Kessidabinga, live and direct from uh, Los Angeles, California. Y'all stay smooth. Y'all stay well. I am gone. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's take you off the air here of what kind of music. You know, let's go a little old school here if it's okay with you guys. I want to go a little old school here because, you know, people are going to be jealous about you. Straight up, people will be jealous about you. And the song that came out from back in the day, back in the day, from a, I believe it was from a Club Nouveau called Jealousy. Let's let that song take us off air because people, you'll find out who your friends really are when you stop moving towards your calling. Embrace your calling. Don't be afraid. And then you'll see who's really your friend, who's supporting you, and who's jealous about you. People, 
Sidekick Hatchet of Benga. Good night.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.